Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Drew McClellan, CEO and founder of McClellan Marketing Group. With over 30 years in advertising, Drew is a true veteran in the advertising industry. He has spoken at conferences and appeared in publications like Entrepreneur Magazine, New York Times, Washington Post, Agency Post, Ad Age, CNN, Business Week, and many others. The Wall Street Journal even calls him one of 10 bloggers every entrepreneur should read. He also owns and runs Agency Management Institute, or AMI, which serves over 250 small to mid-sized agencies of all types so that they can better learn how to increase their AGI, attract better clients and employees, and let the agency owner actually enjoy the perks of agency ownership. For both agency and other business owners listening, it sounds too good to be true, right? And this is why I wanted him to come chat with our listeners today, and I'm so excited to have him here to share his wisdom and experience. He truly does know what he's talking about, and his workshops absolutely work, as I'm happy to attest to having been part of AMI for the last few years. So today, we're going to talk about the common mistakes agency owners often make and learn some better ways to run your agency or business as it absolutely crosses over. We'll learn what has worked from Drew's experience, what could be avoided, and how some agencies are missing the mark. Drew, welcome. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. I'm super happy to have you here, and you are the traveling crazy man who's never in one place, so I'm so happy that I was able to get some of your time. Yes, I'm well, and as you know, I'm happy to do this from any hotel room anywhere on the planet, but it's nice to be home and in my home office doing it. And it's a very nice looking home office indeed. Uh, what I'd love to start off is having you share a little bit more about your background and what got you into agency ownership and also what got you into being this awesome power of leading hundreds of agency owners down this path of figuring out how to run their agencies better. Okay, so... Um... I've worked at agencies my whole professional career. I actually started freelancing for gray advertising in Minneapolis when I was still in college up at the University of Minnesota. And that's really been my only employer um, ever since. So I've worked in super big agencies like YNR. I've worked in small agencies. And when I was about 30 years old, I was working at a place that was not a very good fit. Um, I was the perfect combination of arrogant and ignorant. I had no idea what it meant to run an agency, but I was very much a, how hard can it be? So stepped out and then realized very quickly, oh crap, this is hard. Um, And along the way, very early in the agency's um, life, and we'll be 25 years old in 2020, so knock on wood, it seems to be working. Um, But anyway, early on in the agency and in my uh, tenure as an agency owner, I found this organization that understood that agency owners are usually accidental business owners. They're great at whatever they do for clients, but um, not so great at the business side of the business. And so I became an avid member 
completely changed the way I ran my business. And fast forward, you know, 10 years, the guy who ran that organization said, you know what, Drew, I think you're the guy. And I said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I think you're the guy to buy my consultancy and take it to the next level. And long story short, at first I was like, I don't really need two risky businesses. I'm good. <laughs> um, but for a lot of reasons, um, we worked it out. We spent about a year negotiating the deal and AMI was born out of uh, what he had started. So um, now today I get to help, you know, 250 or so agency owners figure out how to do it better. And the, and the reason I'm able to do that is because if there has been a mistake made in running an agency, I've done it and I've seen my other peers do it. And um, I learn something new every day and I just try and bring all of that to bear in our content and in our workshops and wherever I am, if I'm speaking from a stage, um, in the podcast, anything we do, my whole goal is to help agency owners do it better. Well, and you're here today to do that as well. So thank you. You bet. My pleasure. So when you're working with agencies, and I know you work one-on-one -on -one as well as doing the AMI group settings, what are some of the most common mistakes that seem to pop up? And I'm pretty sure I've made every last one of them. So yeah, you and me both. Yeah. Yep. And, and pretty much every other agency owner out there has also yep. made them, even if they haven't realized they've made them yet. But what are some of those mistakes? Well, I, th I think first understanding that if you're an agency owner today, and especially if you survived the recession, what that means is you're doing a lot of things right. And so often my work is not about wholesale change. It's about adjustments and tweaking and going from a seven to a nine in terms of either effectiveness or profitability or whatever it is. So <clears throat> as we think about these mistakes, I don't want your listeners to go, oh my God, I should just, you know, start selling shoes at pay less. We're, do, we're doing a good job, but oftentimes where, where we shortchange the agency is when we shortchange ourselves. So a lot of times we make these huge sacrifices to keep the agency alive. We will go without paychecks for months. We will um, lend money into the business. We will do all these things rather than run the business by the numbers. So that's mistake number one. If you are an agency owner that is asking yourself and your family to do without, to keep the agency afloat, then what that means is you're not running the business by the numbers. You, you don't understand agency math, uh, which most agency owners don't understand because we didn't go to college to learn that stuff. In fact, we went to college and got into agency business to avoid math. Yeah. And then, you know, then we found ourselves as owners and we're like, crap, what is a P&L and why do I care? So I think that's the biggest mistake is that we don't run our business by the numbers. We run it by the gut. And while that is great for building culture and that is great for building loyalty with our clients, what it is not great for is our bank account. No, and I, I know that from my own experience, it actually took getting married for me to take a hard look at our agency finances and realize that I couldn't loan my own money back into the agency because my husband was going to get really upset about that very quickly. Yeah. You know, and, and <clears throat> I'm not saying that loaning money into the agency is always a bad idea, but there's a right way and a wrong way yeah. to do that. And you don't, it's, you know, I, I've had agency owners call me because they've drained their 401k and poured it back into their agency or things like that. And you just can't put your family at risk, whether, and, whether you're single or you have, you know, 27 offspring, whatever it is, whatever your definition of family is, 
you've taken this huge risk. You're doing, you're probably working 60 or 70 or 80 hours a week and you deserve to get compensation from that. What are some of the first steps an agency owner can take to shore up their finances? Where should they be digging in and looking? So the first is just sort of understanding some basics. So when we read ad age or ad week and they tell us the size of agencies, they're always reporting gross billings and the reality is gross billings is just a vanity number. It's irrelevant. So if, if I think about an agency's finances, and let's just do the easy math. Let's say that the agency is a, bills $5 million, but $3 million of it is media. Then the reality is, and, and they've got other costs of goods like contractors and other things that they spend money on to serve the client maybe they end up with a million dollars or a million five that they actually get to spend on agency expenses, which can be kind of bucketed as people, overhead, and hopefully profit. So the first mistake we make is that we care about gross billings and, and we set our target goals around gross billings and we manage our budget to gross billings. And really we have to manage our budget and our targets to AGI, which is adjusted gross income. So gross billings minus all of our cost of goods, including anybody who gets a 1099 from you. I don't care if they work for you in your office, 40 hours a week. If they're at 1099, they are a cost of goods. Uh, and what's left is your adjusted gross income. And that's how you run the finance of your business. And now you've, now you've got this pot of money that you actually get to spend. And so now it's about making sure that you stay in ratio, which as you know, because it's sort of a AMI anthem, it's 55-25-20. So 55% of your AGI should be spent on loaded salaries. So people, benefits, all of that, you know, W-2 income, including your own as an owner. 25% um, should be spent on overhead and that should leave you 20% for profit. And if you really run by those numbers, um, the, one of the very first things you'll see is oftentimes I have too many people on my staff, Yeah. right? And so you made the comment and you came back and you remade the comment that if someone's 1099, they absolutely need right. to be line item above your general agency costs. Why is that? Well, it's interesting because if you have a traditional accountant who doesn't understand agencies, um, they are putting it down in your expenses. And the reality is a contractor is someone you hire to do a specific task that you need done for a client. So if, and, and sort of the litmus test of this is, you know, if I'm a copywriter that you've hired to do some work for one of your clients and that client goes away, you don't keep sending me checks. That makes me a cost of goods. Mm -hmm. That means you only employ me, and I use the word employ in air quotes, you only hire me to do work when you have work that you need done on behalf of a client. That's why it's a cost of goods. And if that work, if that individual is hired to actually do agency work, so marketing for the agency, um, anything that could be supporting the actual agency and sales, and today we all have virtual assistants that we work with right. as well. So is that something that still should be on that above line item or something that's baked back into employee costs? I think it depends on how sophisticated you want to be with your accounting. So for example, if you have a VA, technically, if all they ever do is agency stuff and they never help you do anything for a client and you're going to give them money no matter what, like yeah. when they're on vacation or, right? So yeah. all of a sudden you go, well, that doesn't pass the litmus test. Right. So in our world, 
what we recommend is anyone who gets a 1099, regardless of what they're doing, that they are a cost of goods. They are, they are um, the, I would say the exception would be, for example, if you hired an outside accounting firm to do your regular books and all of that, you're now paying, you're not really sending them a 1099, you're paying, a, you're paying their company a fee. Mm -hmm. That's a little different. That can go in your overhead. But if, you, if somebody's getting a 1099 from you for whatever reason, I would just put them in cost of goods. And, and perhaps, that is, perhaps that means that your AGI is a little smaller, mm -hmm. uh, but it forces you to run your business in a leaner way, which is never a bad plan. No, that's true. Yeah. So what are other mistakes, even in the financial area, that you're finding agency owners are making? So one of the biggest mistakes, and <clears throat> we have all been on the receiving end of this, people come into your office and go, I can't possibly put more on my plate. I'm freaking out. I'm having to work till like six o'clock. Um, you need to hire someone. And Not we, 6.05? Right, right, that, right. <laughs> we, we in a panic state as agency owners start looking for someone because surely if everyone is, everyone looks super busy, um, but what we don't do is we don't actually do the math of whether or not we need a person. So there are a couple data points to look at. Um, by the way, one of the biggest mistakes most agent, many agencies make is we don't do timesheets every day. Yeah. Without daily timesheets, that data is so foundational, has nothing to do with billing. Has, I, I hope most of you are not billing by the hour, that you're billing by the project or value billing. So I'm, this has nothing to do with how you bill a client or how you talk to a client about work, but it is about how you use the resource that is your people. So A, daily timesheets. So let's assume that everyone is on board with that, which I'm sure not, but let's just make that assumption. So now what I want to do is I want to look at my adjusted gross income and I want to say I need about $150,000 of adjusted gross income per full-time equivalent or FTE. That's probably the most violated agency metric on the planet. Most, if most of you do this, um, you're going to be closer to $100,000 of AGI per FTE or below. And that means that your profit, I bet, is in the 2%, 3%. What <clears throat> When part of AMI is everyone has to show their financials. So I see, you know, hundreds of agencies' financials every year. And among our agencies, they're at about $135,000 of AGI per FTE. And I, of course, am nagging them on a regular basis to get it up, but at least it's better. So part of all of this is, you know, what you measure on a regular basis, you start to pay attention to. So the other mistakes around people are, great, we're super busy, but are we actually making money? So looking at profitability by client and looking at profitability by project, which, by the way, you can't do if you don't have timesheets, mm -hmm. um, that allows you to go, oh, this really big client that we're doing a ton of work for, we're actually paying for the privilege of doing work for them. Because at the end of the day, cash flow wise, it's awesome. A lot of money in, but all that money is going right back out. And because they require so many revisions and there's so many delays and fill in the blank here and there, and we have so much scope creep, we're actually losing money every day we work for them. And without that visibility, you just think, oh my God, I'm billing them $20,000 a month. This is awesome. But what you, re what you don't realize is $22,000 a month is going right back out the door. 
No, and if you're not taking that siloed approach and take a look of it, you're thinking just the overall massive amounts of dollars you're getting in or the right. realm that you have to get in just to keep that net going and going. So it's very hard as an agency owner to even say goodbye to a big piece of business that you might be upside down on. Right. Yeah, again, it's, it really all boils down to sort of crunching the numbers and, and having a dashboard. So one of the things I talk about in some of our workshops is I get that most agency owners are not CPAs and did not take a lot of accounting classes. In fact, avoided, I don't know about you, but I took a lot of classes to avoid taking accounting classes. I was um, a theater but, major, Drew. <clears throat> right, so there you go, right? So it was like, I can take astronomy or account. Yes, I do want to know about the stars, right? Yes. So I get, I get that agency owners are not savvy with numbers. So you've got to build out a dashboard that is super simple for you to look at, that you can plug in a few numbers and it sort of shows you at a glance how healthy your agency is. So as you know, we have this report card um, that is an Excel spreadsheet and actually um, we just updated it. So there's a visual dashboard. So um, I will actually, you haven't even seen this yet. So I will um, shoot you an email with it. And if you want to include it in the show notes for people to download, super easy to fill out. There's instructions on the, on the sheet and you just plug in some numbers and it pulls out things like, okay, here is my cost per FTE. Because you, all, you want to look at what my AGI per FTE is, but you also need to look at your salary per FTE. Because if those numbers are super close together, then what that means is your 55, 25, 20 is going to be completely out of whack. Yeah. And I think doing this, you know, I, I think some of the biggest hesitancies that I've heard from other potential agency owners to join AMI is they're worried about revealing their finances. They're worried about sharing this spreadsheet, the big look in. And I will tell you from a personal experience, like none of us really care what's on anyone else's. We're caring about our own and that's where we're micro-focused and we're more so interested to see how other people are doing it and where they're doing it well. And so it's less about looking at who's not doing something well and just trying to explore how that is. And when I sit down twice a year, because that's what we do uh, for AMI with the meetings, I go through and I, I ingest QuickBooks. I know I don't have my accountant do this for me or my bookkeeper. I actually do the sheets myself. And I know you say that anyone can do them, but it helps me actually get back in touch with my company and really right. have a pulse on what's going on and dive in so deeply to the figures and have them speak in a different way with your worksheet versus just looking at gross AGI and net. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think everybody, especially their first meeting is pretty intimidated. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like taking off your bathing suit. Yeah. Feel like you're out of shape and you're by a bunch of supermodels. But the reality is the learning that comes from that, the questions that people ask you, um, first of all, it's a very safe environment. Everybody is very supportive and, and kind and all of that. But they do ask hard questions sometimes. And, and I've had agency owners go, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but man, I should. So they make a note to ask their accountant or whatever. But I think you're right. I think, I think the learning comes from seeing how other people are doing things and saying, how, how is it that, that your lawyer fees are like a third of my lawyer fees? right? Oh, well, because we have this great lawyer who specializes in agencies. Let me introduce you. So there's a lot of that that happens. And the other thing that I think is super valuable is you don't show these kind of documents to anyone. So it's you and your accountant pretty much that see your P&L and all of these other things. 
And having other sets of eyes who understand them, looking at them and asking you questions, there's no doubt you're going to learn about your own agency and your agency's finances. And over time, that you're going to continue to tweak those documents so that they serve you better. So once you get over that initial, oh my God, these guys are all super successful and they're making so much money um, and I'm going to show them this and they're going to boot me out and they're going to laugh. Once you get over that discomfort, which of course never happens, everybody's finances are the same. And yeah. the most successful agency in, agencies in the world have down years. Yeah. Just there's an ebb and flow. As you know, what I see, the pattern I see is that for most agencies, after the first five to 10 years, so many agencies in the first five or 10 years just grow every year. And the agency owners, and I remember being this way too, thinking, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. This is easy, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and then you have your first, oh crap year. And after that, the pattern is up three or four, down one, maybe 18 months, and then up three or four, down one, 18 months. And so you sort of get used to and more comfortable with the ebb and flow that is running an agency. And when you see 12 other people who are giving, who are living it and sharing their financials and you go, oh, I remember last meeting you were, you know, eating ramen noodles because things were so, and there was like, you know, everyone was having to chip in a quarter to have a cup of coffee. And now, you know, you're up a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars or whatever it is. It also is comforting to see that ebb and flow in other people because it makes yours feel less like dire. Oh, I think if anything, being exposed to other agency owners' financials and learning about them makes from like I came in from a very siloed world. I wasn't talking to other agency owners. I wasn't sharing things. If I sat with them, I'm like, okay, everything is perfect in my world. I should probably not share that I did that or that this is happening, or that we're really scared about this. And at night, I'm awake at three in the morning wondering about this other thing. And actually being in the group sessions, you find out that other people feel this way. And that even the worst agency in the room, the one that has the worst financials that year, there are plenty of things that they're doing absolutely right in other ways that you want to actually do. So it's really cool because it is an absolute, you know, exchange of ideas and knowledge and learning. And you get a lot less scared and embarrassed about where you might be. And you actually identify that you're having more successes than you previously might've understood. Yeah, I think there's something, and I think this is true in any profession, but I think there's something about being with peers who hold you as capable and accountable and, and ask you tough questions, but are also there to support and celebrate. So, you know, what I say to agency owners is you will never be surrounded by a peer group who is more excited when you make a big sale and who is, who is better to commiserate with when a client screws you. These are people who walk the same walk every day. And, um, you know, you, be, in, in our groups anyway, you're with the same people all the time. So you're in a cohort that is sort of defined. And these, these people become confidants and friends. And, and um, you know, you, you grow to love them as human beings and people. And so it's, it is awesome. And, and AMI isn't the only one. There's plenty of other networks out there. So I just did a webinar yesterday. And one of the things that 
we were looking at, we have a free assessment on our website where an owner can sort of grade themselves in five areas. And we've done it for about a year. So I did a webinar that was talking about sort of where people were thinking they were doing a great job and where they weren't. And one of the data points we looked at were agent AMI members versus non-AMI members. And there was a delta of about 16% where the AMI members self-identified. So, you know, take it for what it is, that they were doing better in these five categories than the others. And what I said was, this is not an endorsement of AMI, but what it is an endorsement of is surrounding yourself by peers that you can learn from. And so whether that's EO or Vistage or one of the other agency networks, I don't really care where you go, but you don't have to be a lighthouse keeper on an island in some remote part of the world where you are so isolated and and removed from everybody that you have to learn it all yourself. That's just, there's a better way uh, to build your business. And I think that's through a collaborative group like that. Yeah. And I was just talking to someone the other night, they invested in some uh, auto facilities, like a Meineke, Mako type of scenario. Yeah. Totally not an agency, right? Yeah. And I was sitting there and I was listening to their power pains that they're going through as they're building and their new owners. And it's everything the same as an agency. Yeah. There's not that much difference out there. But I was suggesting that they find some group like Vistage to talk with. And it's there's so much reluctance by people to go into that because they don't understand the value. And it really, I'm here, I'm, I will happily give Drew a testimonial, but also a testimonial to any of these other groups I haven't even belonged to. Yeah. It helps. It's, it's a life changer. It's a lifeline and a life changer. Yeah. You know, I, I, at the end of the day, one of the things that on the agent, when I put on my agency owner hat, one of the things that always amuses me about our agency clients is no matter what industry they're in, they think it's so unique. Like, you, well, you don't know what it's like to be fill in the blank, a dentist, a plumber, uh, whatever it is, right? And the reality is when you're running a business, especially if you're running a service business, mm -hmm. they're pretty much the same. You have people problems, you have process problems, and you have profit problems. That You can pretty much put your problems into one of those buckets, right? And people problems can be clients or employees. Process is about getting things done. It's about being efficient. It's about communication and profit is about, are you making any money? And I don't care if you are running a psychiatry service, which I think some agencies do on the side or an agency <laughs> or whatever, we do all have the same problems, but there's great comfort in surrounding yourself by people who, when you use the jargon of your industry, or you're talking about going to a conference where you, you know, I just came back from Macon, which is the marketing uh, autom uh, artificial intelligence conference, which was spectacular. It's going to be, they'll do it again in July of next year. So I highly recommend it for agencies or brands. Um, but when you start talking about things like, well, how are agencies using AI and all of that? You also get subject matter coaching and learning from each other. And as you have experienced, you know, people pick your brain about the things that you're brilliant at. You get to pick their brain about other things. And so I guess the message is don't go it alone. Find, find a peer group that you trust, um, that you think you can learn from, wherever that may be. And, um, and the more you give in those groups, the more you get back. Yeah. One other topic I want to talk to you about is content. You are a master at creating 
content. I'm, I'm pretty good at it myself as well. I, so. I was going to say, yeah. one of these days, I'm going to get as good as you are. But yeah, I'm pretty good at it. Um, but what actually attracted to me to you um, when I was looking at different agency resources was the content you were producing. And it wasn't nearly as much content then as you are doing now. Yeah. Uh, but one of the co topics that you share and that you're really building up with other agency owners, and I try to let people understand the importance of this because our inbound is where we get all of our calls and our right. emails. And it's <clears throat> substantive of what we actually get from it because of our blogs and our podcasts and our eBooks and our, it just yeah. keeps on going and going. But can you chat a little bit about how agencies need to maybe make themselves their own client? and spend some time focused on themselves? Yeah, so long before we called it content, um, I have been a believer of this. So long before I, w I owned AMI, um, when I was um, just running my own agency, I understood very early on that um, what I call selling with authority. So what that means is I define an authority position or a thought leadership position that I can own and I sell by giving away how smart I am about the world. And I share, and my whole goal is I ask myself the question every, and this is true of both the agency world, my agency hat and my AMI hat. I ask myself the same question. Is this piece of content I'm about to share going to help my prospect be better at their job today? Regardless of if they hire me ever, will this thing I'm sharing help them be better at their job? If the answer is yes, then I hit publish. And if the answer is no, it's salesy or it's kind of fluff or whatever, then I don't, right? Um, so I think the statistic is 70 or 75%. Today for most agencies, by the time you know that there's a prospect out there, by the time you get an RFP on your desk, by the time you get a phone call or an email, um, that buyer is 70 to 75% through the buying process. And they have spent so much time already consuming whatever it is you put out. So if you're putting Facebook posts about your company party, they're getting a sense about your culture. If you're putting out a podcast that should, demonstrates that you are a subject matter expert in um, marketing dental practices and everything you talk about is around that, then they understand very quickly that you have an expertise in that. And what happens when you produce that kind of content, and I know you see this all the time in your business, what it does is it is like a lightning rod attracting people directly to you and they can self-select whether or not they're a good fit. So what it does is a couple things. Number one, it puts people on your radar screen that you had no idea were out there and it puts you on their radar screen. Mm -hmm. Number two, it pre-sells because you're demonstrating over and over again that you already know your stuff long before you know that you're basically being considered. And then what it does is it shortens the sales cycle because <clears throat> I was on a call, I got an email last week from an agency owner and um, she said, we're, we're having some trouble. I would love to make a phone call. I would like to schedule a phone call. I think we might want to hire you. So two days later, we had a phone call and long story short, she had already told her leadership team that they were hiring us. I didn't know that, Right. So I'm talking to her and I'm asking questions and she's like, I don't think I'm being really clear. I've already told my team we're hiring you. I, I've already made the buying decision. I just want to know what we should do together. 
who doesn't want that sales cycle, right? And we have that same experience on the agency side as well because we are producing this content. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of I can't give it away because my competitors will see it, stop it. I can't give it away because I'm the only one who knows this thing. Seriously, stop it. Like just be helpful and just, and, and I will have agency owners say, well, if I tell them all this, they'll do it themselves. Yep, some people will, but odds are the ones who are going to do it themselves didn't have the budget to hire you anyway. But understanding how it's done and wanting to do it yourself are two completely different things. And having the recipe, you know, if that were true, all of us would cook at home every day, right? But we don't. I, I can go and find the recipe for, you know, fill in the blank. But sometimes I just want to go to a restaurant and have someone else do it because I think they're better at it for whatever reason. Same is true for us. So, you know, I know that for you, when I've watched you build out your business, part of, even with all the content you share and even all of the, like how to do it yourself stuff you share, there are still things that as a brand or, an, or a generalist agency, I don't have, I don't have the contacts. Yeah. I don't have the years of experience. I don't know how to negotiate the contract as well as you do. So don't, get fooled into thinking that if you share what you know, that you are exhausting what makes you valuable. All you're doing is actually demonstrating how valuable you would be if they hire you. And I, I see it, you know, people will say to me, what agencies are killing it? It's agencies that have niched down, that understand they can't be everything to everybody. And so they've really defined who they are and who they serve and then start serving them through content without any expectation. You know, you were in a workshop uh, about content and we were talking about, you know what, it could take a day or a decade and you have no idea how long someone's going to consume your content before they're ready to buy. It could literally be a day. They could listen to one podcast episode and go, I have to hire that agency. Or it could be 10 years. And what do you care? As long as there are enough of them in the funnel then that means you always have sales activity. No, it's true. And you have to just start. And, you know, we started writing our blog. I started writing our blog. It was not a team activity back then in 2012. And I just kept going. And, you know, if I had never started, we would not have over 25,000 readers of our blog on a monthly basis. Right. And we could have a lot more than that, I'm sure. But I'm pretty happy and content with what we have and we're striving and growing. But you have to just start somewhere. And that share of knowledge, like the best way I go about it is I'll talk to a client or a prospective client and they just don't get it. They just, there's something that that's not making sense. So if I don't already have one written, I'll write a blog. And then I'll post it and then I'll send it to him and say, you know, I had written a blog that I think would really be helpful to you. And now you haven't just wasted your time sending them an email. You actually have created content that you can turn into so many other pieces from infographics or eBooks or collateral or parts of your newsletter. And you just, you have to just start as an agency owner. Well, and I think a lot of agency owners go, I don't have time. And it's a couple of things. Number one, you have to make the time. You have to get out of the day-to-day work and actually run your business, um, which is, by the way, another mistake many agency owners make is they are too engrossed in the day-to-day dealing with clients to actually step out and run their business. 50% of an agency owner's time should be spent on biz dev and content can be a part of that. But number two, and I think you do this perhaps more masterfully than anyone else I've ever seen, 
you can create one piece of content and then turn it into five or 10 yeah. different things. And it really is just about having a process. As you said, I record a podcast and out of that podcast, I'm going to get a blog post. I'm going to get three videos. I'm going to get two infographics. I'm going to get a quote card. I'm going to get a blog, like fill in the blank. But once you have that defined and you sort of have articulated to your team, I'm going to give you this audio file or this video file, do these seven things with it. It's really not as time consuming as we think. We do it for clients all the time. There's no one on the planet who is better suited to be someone who sells with authority than an agency. We have all of the equipment. We have all of the people. We have all of the skills. We have all of the tools. If, if a dentist or an insurance agent or a mechanic can do it, oh my God, we can do it. And yet we just don't very often, which is a huge advantage to the agencies that do. But it drives me insane when I hear agencies cold calling prospects or you know, walking an exhibit floor without having, you know, if I today now, and I'm sure for you too, because I've been doing this for a while, if I go to a conference and I introduce myself, people will go, oh, build a better agency podcast, right? Like there's like some, they, they may not know very much about me. They may not know very much about AMI, but there's some connective tissue that yeah. they understand that I'm someone in the space that maybe has something to teach them or share. We get on most of our inbound calls and even our outbound. Now we get people who come in and, Oh yeah, I get your blog. I'm like, you too. You also get our blog. I didn't, you know, cause I don't go into our CRM necessarily and figure it sure. out. Right. But it's amazing that if you create this collateral people that you would never expect, get it and they share it. Yeah. So it's something that's really powerful. And, and at the end of the day, if you really think about why you do the work you do, I genuinely want agencies to be more successful. Mm -hmm. And whether they ever give me a dime or not, I don't care. I just want to help them be better and make more money and be happier in their world. And some subset of them will give me a dime. And there are others who will consume my free content forever and ever and use every ounce of it and make a ton of money. And you know what? That makes me happy. Yeah. So if you go at it with that attitude of, um, you know, I'll have someone say, well, somebody's been on my email list for two years and they've never hired us. So I'm going to take them off. I'm like, why the hell would you do that? They, they might be a day or a year away from giving you the biggest contract yeah. that you've ever had in your agency's history. What do you care if they're on your email list? If they will re-opt in, if you're going to do that every so often, shut up and send them your newsletter. Yeah, no, it's true. And you know, we'll have our newsletter goes out every Monday and there'll be people I haven't heard from in literally years. And I'll get an email back by way of the newsletter. They'll respond yeah. to it. And they'll say, you know, an opportunity just came across my desk and I think we should talk. Yeah. It's amazing because I don't have the bandwidth to talk to everyone I've ever talked to in the last decade and try to hustle and follow them and chase them down. Nor right. do I have interest in doing that. So it really is a lovely approach to do inbound marketing. Well, and I also think it's sort of like investing, right? I'm, I, you know, like the idea of day trading, like knowing what day the stocks are going to go up or down or whatever. I don't, 
I'd rather just put a dollar in every day and know that the dollar cost averaging sort of rule will take care of me. And I think of content marketing in the same way. You have no idea what day this prospect is going to get annoyed with their agency or they're going to get fired and get a new job or whatever it is. You have no idea when they're going to need you. But if you are always present and you are always being helpful, then on the day, you're going to be top of mind. So just be helpful all the time. Helpful Honda people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So in your endeavors to be helpful, you have created an upcoming conference series that is, I will say, I was actually surprised at how excited I was by your speakers that you have in place. I mean, they're really top experts within yeah. the space. Yeah. So I signed up right away. I think I signed up like probably the first person to sign up. But uh, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about it? Yeah, so you know, there's there really is no conference, no national conference for what I call small to mid-sized agencies. So there are other conferences that say they're for small agencies, but their definition of small is 300 employees. That is not small. Three employees is a small agency. Um, and so I felt for years like that was a kind of a gaping hole. Um, and to be really honest, it's a huge commitment and a huge risk to. I mean, that when I signed the hotel contract, it's sort of like when you sign a mortgage and you like, don't show me the page where they say, and when you're done paying for this, here's what you paid for. Like, it's like, I don't, I don't want to know. Um, but I just, I just felt this need that we really do need to have a national conference that talks about issues that are relevant to true small to mid-sized agencies. And so uh, in May of 2020, the very first Build a Better Agency Summit will happen in Chicago. So it's May 19th and 20th. And you're right, I'm so excited about the speaker lineup. So fortunately, um, in both my marketing world and my agency consultant world, um, I have made some really great friends, people like Joe Polizzi and Jay Bear and other folks like that. And so I, I went to them hat in hand and said, I need this first one to be amazing. And I know what you normally charge for a speaking fee. And I know <laughs> how crazy your schedule is. Is there any way we can figure out a way to do this together? And every one of them was incredibly generous, not just with doing it at a reasonable rate, but also just with their time and offering to help. But what I'm really excited about, so even more than there being no conference for small agencies, there's no conference where for two days, all we talk about is how to run the business of your agency better. So you can go to a conference like I did, Macon, or you can go to Inbound, or you can go to Content Marketing World, and you can learn how to serve clients and do that sort of thing. But there is no conference that just talks about how to actually build a more sustainable, scalable, sellable agency, how to make more money and keep more of what you make. No one's going to talk to you about tax strategies and profit strategies. So that's really, that's the focus, as you know, of AMI in general. We're all back of the house stuff. How do you run the business better? So that's what I wanted the conference to be too. So I went to these folks and I said, I know normally, you know, like I said to Jay Bear, I know normally you talk about like hug your haters or you know, whatever the new book is. And I love his stuff and his company stuff. I said, but what I want you to talk about is I want you to talk about all the different revenue streams that you've built coming into your company and how you've done that. And I know you've never talked about that publicly before, but would you do that on my stage? And he was like, yeah. 
you know, and so all of these people are not only showing up, which is a bloody miracle unto itself, but they are all sort of peeling back the curtain and letting us see operationally how they've built what they've built. So I, I'm super excited about that. The list of speakers is remarkable. And we're going to have a lot of different ways of learning. So we're going to have the keynote speakers and breakout speakers, but we're also going to have these things called roundtables where we have subject matter experts and everybody who registers will be invited to pick which roundtables they want to go to. So for example, if you're worried about succession planning, there's going to be an expert there who, and you're going to be sitting with other agency owners discussing, not them talking at you, but all of you discussing and learning from each other about what you're thinking about when it comes to succession planning, which is really what the core of AMI is, is it's not me, the subject matter expert, preaching the word and everyone else is just quiet. It's me facilitating all of these smart agency owners to share what they've learned with each other. And so I wanted a big part of the conference to be that. So not only will you learn from the speakers, but you will also learn from other agency owners. And I'm expecting you to show up ready to teach too. So super excited about it. And folks can learn more about it at the AMI website. So if they just go to agencymanagementinstitute.com, right on the main nav, it says BABA Summit for Build a Better Agency Summit. And they can check it out. We do, um, we only have room for 200 people. So um, if you want to go, hey, it's cheaper now than ever before. Um, and it just keeps getting more expensive because you know how conferences are. Um, but I do, knock on wood, um, hope that it'll sell out. So don't wait too long if you think it's something you want to do. And we'll include that information on the podcast notes as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Well, is there any last words of advice that you would share? Yeah, so it's interesting. So I was just at this conference and I was talking to a friend of mine um, named Mitch Joel. And Mitch uh, started a tiny little agency in Canada, grew it to be a regional uh, powerhouse, sold it to WPP, stayed on as president. Then it got sold to Mirren, um, stayed on as president of his division. So he's, he's literally owned a five-person agency up to multiple hundred people agency and been a part of a big holding company. And he recently uh, retired from the agency, sold his shares, and is now doing other stuff. But I said to him, okay, you've been out of it for a couple months. Looking back, what do you see now that you didn't see when you were in it? And I think, I think what he said was really profound. He said, you know what? He said, I wish I had enjoyed it more when I was doing it. I was always so worried about everything. We'd get a new client and I'd worry about how to staff it. We'd lose a client and I'd worry about money. He said, there was never a day that I didn't make something up in my head to worry about. Mm -hmm. What I often didn't do was just revel in the fun and the creativity and the energy that I got to be a part of every single day. And I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the journey as much as I should have. Um, and I, I think that's a great reminder to all of us. I don't care how tough things are right now. It's a pretty good gig. And we get to be around smart, funny people. When we do our work well, we actually get to help other people achieve their goals, which is very rewarding. Um, and you know what? The work we do is interesting and challenging and 
creative. And we don't often celebrate that. And we don't often slow down enough to appreciate it. So I guess that's my parting thought is don't, don't be looking back after you've retired or sold your agency and go, you know what, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I could have enjoyed that more. I could have reveled in the fun of it more. Do it now while you, while you have the chance. Well, that is awesome advice, Drew. Thank you. You bet. So thank you again for joining us today. And for all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. And we will chat next week on marketing mistakes and how to avoid them. 